So how y'all doing this morning? I'm going to tell you that the worship didn't just excite you. Your wood's underwater because that'll light your fire this morning. It was good. Um, today we're um, talking. Remember last week we kind of set the stage with our boxing gloves and our Rocky Balboa robe that we're going to be in a fight for the next five weeks or so. And I'm, I'm leaving myself a little leeway because we might want to add a week before it's over with. But, you know, last week we talked about fighting for ourselves. And if you missed it last week and you weren't here, you can go online onto our website. You can listen to it. And we talked about how to fight for ourselves and what it means to do that. Because if we can't learn to fight for ourselves, and we can't fight for our family. We can't fight for our marriage. We can't fight for our community. We can't fight for our world that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. And today we're going to be talking about fighting for our family. And I'm telling you now, I'm leaving the marriage part out of it this week because next week we're going to be talking about that. And I'm really excited about next week because Catherine Arnold, my cousin, some of y'all might know her, she's a, a licensed counselor, is going to be here. And we're going to do a table talk and just talk about marriage and um, what it means to fight for our marriage and some of the things that, that come between us and keep us from fighting. So that's next week. But this week we're talking about um, fighting for our family. And so I, I want to start with a couple of things to go ahead and set the stage. Um, this is a news flash. You're the parent, not a friend. You're not a friend. And if you ask my daughters... They'll tell you that me and Tammy has repeated that through the course of their life lots of times. God didn't call us to be their friends. We got our own friends, you know. But things will change. My dad, I'm 50 years old, and my dad is my best friend now. But my dad is also still my dad. And if my dad says jump, I hit the roof and ask what he wants me to do. I don't question my dad because he's still my dad, and that's the respect and the love that I have for him. Now that I'm 50 years old, we've become friends. And I'll tell you right now, I'm spot writing. My daddy has spot me. He still cuts my grass. He brings my garbage out. So I won't lie to anybody. I'm spot. But my dad figures if he can take that little bit of stress off of me, then I can do more for God in that area. And so, um, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 14 is where we're going to start. We're going to start in Exodus 14. Then we're going to go to Matthew 18, Exodus 14, Matthew 18, Nehemiah 4. I was watching a video this week, and it's one of the things, you know how when you watch something and you go back and you just can't find it? It was a perfect video for today, and I lost it, and I never found it again. But in the video, let me tell you a little bit about it, because it really, it, it speaks truth in today's society. They took four or five kids, and they brought them into a room, and they sat down and they interviewed them. Well, on the other side of a wall was their parents listening to the interview. The kids didn't know the parents was there, and they didn't know the parents was listening. And as they, as they asked them questions, you know, the kids was all excited, and they was bubbly, and they was talking about their life, you know, and these were young kids, five, six, seven years old. And as they kept talking, you know, things you started seeing some real um, revelations and what they were saying about their parents, you know, and like their parents being busy and their parents not spending time with them. And like one of the questions, one, one little boy said, well, I asked my dad to throw the football and he always tells me on Sunday, but then on Sunday he's too busy. So I know he's just, he's putting it off. And, you know, and as they kept asking questions, finally they rolled and you could watch the parent's face just starting to drop. And um, 
they rolled a, a card out with a bunch of board games on it. And when they put them in there, the kids, you know, they was in there by themselves, but they said, what's that for? And they said, well, we've invited your parents to come play board games with you today. And then you watched every, every kid, every kid they interviewed would say, well, my mom's too busy. My dad's got work. He's too busy. My dad's tired. You know, one of them, the little girl said, said my mom's going to say, well, I'm, I'm busy right now. And she was acting out like she was taking selfies of herself. She said, that's what my mom does. She takes pictures of herself all day. You know, and we laugh, but how much truth is it to that? And these parents, you could see them by the end of it. They were all sobbing. And then they got a chance to go in and hug their kids and play board games with their kids. And, you know, and so, you know, that's how, that's where we're at. And we have to learn to fight for our families. I, I run across this, um, this article, and it's in a book called Think Orange. And it says, Reggie Joyner tells a story about what happened one day when his daughter was in the seventh grade. After a major blow-up in which the daughter and the dad said some things they shouldn't have, the dad was so hurt that he left the room and drove off in his car. Feeling betrayed and offended, he just drove and drove and drove. About 15 minutes later, his phone rang. It was his daughter. Dad, I'm sorry, she said. You know I really didn't mean what I said. But why did you leave? Why did you walk out? I need to know that our relationship's worth fighting for. Wow. From a seventh grader, I need to know that our relationship's worth fighting for. Joyner reflects on this, and he adds, I can't prove this because I don't have statistical information to back it up, but I think Rebecca verbalized what a lot of teenagers think at some point. I have talked to college girls whose fathers have stopped fighting for their relationships with their daughters. I've talked to sons who have strained relationships with parents because they became disengaged relationally after conflicts in high school. As parents, we make a drastic mistake if we stop fighting and yield to the myth that maybe our kids don't need a relationship with us. And we're going to be talking about that more in a minute. But here's what I want you to hear. Today, I want you to quit fighting with your family and start fighting for your family. Do you hear me? Repeat after me. I'm going to fight for my family. Say it a little bit more boldly. I'm going to fight for my family. Because hear what I'm telling you. If you don't fight for them, somebody else is going to win their attention. And somebody else is going to fight for them. And we don't want to lose that fight. You know, I run into to somebody um, this week at Poppy's, and they was, we was talking about last week's sermon about what was coming, and they worked at one of the local prisons, and they were sharing with me how many inmates are there that can't even make one phone call because families has walked away from them. They can't make one phone call, pick it up and say, hey, I'm in jail, or hey, this is going on, because families won't even talk to them anymore. Now, hear what I'm telling you. You need to love your family. I'm not saying enable your family, but you love your family. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that too. But um, I got a picture, Kim, I forgot to warn you about. Will you post that picture up of the flag? A lot of y'all might recognize this picture, and I know that I'm going to slaughter this name. But in February of 1945, Joe Rosenthal pulled out his camera and clicked this photograph that will later become the most reproduced photograph in the history of photography. Five young Marines planting the American flag on the island of, of Iwo Jima. The, the photo of these young men raising the flag was splashed across the front page of every paper in the country. For months, papers republished the photo. Newspapers were saved, poachers was purchased, and the photo appeared everywhere. People couldn't get enough of it. 
In today's language, that photo went viral. But what's that photo represent? You know, as I was looking at that, this is just some things that I, that I put down. What that photo showed was determination, the grit, the patriotism of those who had gone to war. They were there because we as a country had deemed that there were things worth fighting for. We were fighting against tyranny and injustice. We were fighting and defending ourselves against another country. We were fighting for all the freedoms that we enjoy here today, the freedom of speech that, that we enjoy, even though we may not agree what someone else has to say, the freedom of assembly that we enjoy right now to be in this room is what they was fighting for. They was fighting for the security and the freedom from terrorism, and they was fighting for, um, for hope because that's what our country is built on is we stand for hope. Many risked their lives so that we could be here today. You know, and whenever you read those things and when you hear those things, you know, and you know what I was thinking about is our families worth fighting for. When these men went to battle, the guys and ladies that are in right now in our enlisted service, whenever they're there, they don't keep a checklist and say, you know something? I'll go to battle today if I know that everybody loves me. I'll go to battle today if nobody backtalks me. I'll go to battle today if I have that perfect family to come home to. I'll go to battle today. Are you following what I'm saying? They go to battle and they fought for us. As a family, that's how we ought to fight for our families. As parents, and today I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to grandparents and great-grandparents and uncles and aunts and, and surrogate parents. And what I mean by that, there's a lot of us that have kids that come into our houses that aren't our blood kids, but we have an influence over those kids. We need to be the parents that are fighting for those kids when nobody else is. Because it's just like I was telling 8 o'clock service. In our schools today, and I love our schools, and we've got incredible schools, but when them kids walk in, they're walking into a battlefield. And they need to know that somebody loves them. They need to know that somebody's standing in the trenches and is going to be their farm. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 14. Exodus 14, we're going to start in verse 13. And I told y'all last week, this is going to be our focal verse for the next several weeks. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Do you hear those words? The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Father, I just ask, Father, that you show us your heart, Father, that you show us what you're calling us to as parents. Father, what you're calling us to as adults that have influence over students. Father, let us see your heart and your heart only. Father, we love you. In your son's name, amen. Turn over to, um, to Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 21. How many times do we get real honest? Do we just get tired of dealing in forgiving people? Let's just get real. You know, as a parent, sometimes you ever just sit there and they're doing, you like that, and lean back and get a crack? That was my neck. But sometimes we do that, right? Matthew 18, 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, 
but 77 times. So what I'm telling you as a parent this morning, forgive them. Forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, love them, love them, forgive them, and love them. And don't let nobody tell you any different. Because sometimes our friends, sometimes our family say, I wouldn't put up with that no more. So what? They're not your kids. They're my kids. And God called me to raise my kids. And so whenever you hear that, I know times, you know, we get tired and we say, well, I just can't keep doing this. You can still keep loving. And that's what God does. Have you ever thought about, I know I do, sometimes if God kept a record book on Johnny Morgan, he said, I'm not going to love you no more. Johnny, you keep doing this. He loves me. And he loves me. And he pursues me. And he loves me. So turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. This is where we're going to camp out for a few minutes. Verse, uh, we'll start verse 11. It says, Also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and we will kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall that exposed the places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives and your homes. What's he telling us? fight to fight and he's telling us he said remember how great and awesome your god is remember how many of us will say that our god's great and our god's awesome wouldn't we won't we say that were we not going to trust him whenever he says fight for your families because like i mentioned before if you don't fight for him somebody else is and if you don't believe that just take a walk through the neighborhoods go to the prison and hang out with them for a little bit there with the inmates at the prisons. Go to the schools and walk to school halls if you don't believe what I'm telling you. If you don't fight for them, somebody else is. And God's telling us to fight, to fight passionately for them. But we have to learn how to do that. You know, when this scripture was written, just to give you a little bit, you know, whenever it was written, um, Nehemiah had brought them back in to rebuild the walls. And the walls was just in crumbles and had been burned. And they was rebuilding and they got about halfway up. And that's when all the enemies around started talking, said, we're going to go in and take them. We're going to show them who we are and who they're not. And the people got nervous. And that's when Nehemiah makes this decision. That's when Nehemiah is leading them, and he tells them, look, we're going to put guards, and we're going to put people here, and you're going to watch around the clock. But remember how great your God is, and remember how awesome he is. Remember where he's brought us from. But fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your homes to fight. And so whenever you hear that and you start looking, you know, and God is just so crystal clear. As I was getting ready, I run across another, another article, and it was talking about that from 2007 to 2014, 2007 to 2014, the Christian people that claim to be Christian in the United States of America, we've dropped 8%. 8%. You know, so that's not a lot, but that is a lot. Because if that keeps dropping and keeps trending, then where's Christianity going to be in 100 years? 
And so right now what I'm telling you as parents, you need to fight. You need to instill Christian values in your sons and in your daughters. You need to fight and put them in your grandkids and your nieces and your nephews and in neighborhood kids and whoever comes to your house. You need to show them who God is. You have to model who God is. You know, the house that I grew up in, and that's the only one I can relate to because I didn't grow up in nobody else's house, but my parents modeled Christ in my house. And I know that I have a real exception to the rule. And I know that, that I'm a real minority. But I grew up in a house where my mom and dad modeled Christ. And I grew up in a home where my parents didn't give us choices when it come to different things. It wasn't an option for us. You're going to go to church on Sunday mornings, and you're going to go to church on Sunday nights, you're going to go to church on Wednesday nights, and you're going to smile when you're there. You know? There was understood rules in our house. And if you ask my two younger brothers, you didn't drink, you didn't do drugs. I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs. I was scared of my daddy, like I told y'all. My daddy walked back there a day and walked up to my house and said, Johnny, and I said, I drink, so let me preference with that. But if my dad walked in a day and said, Johnny, you're not going to drink, I'm still going to say, yes, sir. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because I love my dad and I respect my dad. And my dad cares. And my dad's wanting to model Christ in front of me and my kids. And so whenever you start looking, we have a big job. That same book about Think Orange, this article come out of it. It said that students, along with their parents, see fellowship, gathered worship at church, and youth group activities and children activities as electives. And what I just say, my parents never saw it as an elective. You elected to get a whipping if you didn't want to go. But that was the only elective involved in it at my house. But let me read this to you. It says, our postmodern determine-your-own-values-and-reality mindset has finally trickled its way into the local church. Carrie Naywolf, uh, um, Arthur, I mean a pastor, wrote an excellent blog about 15 characteristics of today's unchurched person. These 15 characteristics are spot on, but I'll actually go further and say that they're not just characteristics of today's unchurched person, but of every person both in and out of church. And now... And now church, youth group, and children's ministry, actually any spiritual disciplines is firmly on the bottom of the pecking order. That means if homework, sports, vacation, be entire practice, fill in the blank, don't conflict with the students and their parents might consider attending one of these functions. Might consider attending. For adults, this elective version of church involvement really doesn't have any short-term consequences in their faith. Most Christian adults had some incredible experience in late high school or college and are maintaining their faith and to go through the rest of their life. They can take months or years off from church and fellowship and still have a mostly intact faith. While there's a ton to say about that, um, the parents are not the concern. My concern is for the development of their kids. These adults have a, a significant faith encounter in their youth but are not helping their kids participate in the very activities that God used to grab hold to their hearts. You know, and, and I'm saying that in a lot of different directions. Because I believe in church, or I wouldn't be here today. I believe in corporate worship, or I wouldn't be here today. I believe in Sunday school that you keep hearing to stand on and stand on every week about the importance of Sunday school. I believe in youth groups, or I wouldn't have been in youth ministry for the majority of my adult life. I believe in children's ministry, because that's where it all starts. But whenever we see all that stuff as an elective, what are we teaching our kids? 
You know, whenever I was growing up, an elective was getting to go hunt on Saturday. An elective was getting to hunt on Friday night. An elective was never church. But we have to learn how to fight for those things. We have to fight for them. Because what does Scripture tell us? Because when, if you back up in verse 12, it says, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten, time, ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. All right, let's just get real, real. How many times do we feel attacked by the things going on around us? You know, our world around us is out to get us. Our world around us does not want us to be in this building today. Our world around us does not want our kids to grow up and know who God is because Satan is real and he's active and he's trying to destroy the family. And so when you hear these things and, you know, we're sitting there thinking, well, that's kind of bold. No, it's not bold enough. Because our God loves us. And he tells us that he'll fight for us, but we have to get still. And, but then he goes on and says that we have to fight for our families. I have to sit back and say, all right, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want Johnny Morgan to do? And then I have to fight for my family. I know in a lot of ways that I think me and Tammy's done a pretty good job of raising our daughters in a godly home, but I know we've dropped a ball in other areas too. But I know that my daughters, I would hope they know that I'll stand firm, that I'm going to die for them if it comes down to it. Whether it's physical things or spiritual things, I'll go to my death for my kids because that's how much I love them. But I have to model that in front of them all the time. Whenever I tell y'all I make that statement about ministering where my shadow falls and my shadow fell in schools for a long time when I was walking those halls and I love those kids. And I would tell those kids I love them because a lot of times that's what they needed to hear. There's lots of times that's the only time that word was ever spoken to them. I can't tell you how many times through the years that I've sat in principals and administration offices at the schools and wept over conversations that we had just had with students when they walked out because these kids felt no hope in their home. I used to tell Brother Howard all the time that one day he's going to read in the paper about a masked man that was too big for his cape flying around and whipping parents. Not kids, parents. So if y'all see it in the paper, I don't know nothing about it. Don't ask me no questions. That way I don't have to lie. But when you look at Scripture, Scripture's so clear. Are we willing to fight for our families? Think about it. Are you willing to fight for your family? Are you willing to stand firm? There's as many grandparents raising kids as parents nowadays. There's as many great-grandparents raising grandkids or great-grandkids as parents nowadays. And so today's message is for anybody that has influence over kids, whether they're biologically yours or not, because these kids need to see hope, and they need to see mercy, and they need to see grace, and they need to see God through us. I was sitting at a, this week hanging out with a, a dear friend of mine and we was talking and this is that person that I can just vent to, you know, between that person and Glory, my dog, you know, because she don't talk back and don't tell nobody, hopefully. <laughs> but me and that person was just having a real conversation. And finally they looked at me and they said, well, you need to quit. And I said, what? And they said, you need to quit. And slow down. I took my knife out of my pocket, opened it, laid it on the table, and said, cut my heart out. And they said, why? Well, I said, because that's my heart. 
My heart's to pastor. My heart's not to be y'all's friend. My heart's to be your shepherd and to be your pastor and to fight for y'all on my knees and to spend time with God and to model to y'all what it's supposed to be like because this community needs us. This community needs us. And when I'm not talking, they don't need more Johnny Morgan. They need more God. And if it takes me walking this community in my shadow, falling to where they see God, then that's what they need. But we have to start with our family. Because if we can't conquer our family, then how are we going to conquer our marriage and our community and our world? But this word is so clear. It's so clear. And that's why... I keep going back to Exodus, and, and, and that's become my favorite verses, and probably the next puppy I get, that's what I'm going to name it, is Exodus 14, 14. Because the Lord will fight for you. Hear what I'm telling you. Hear this. The Lord will fight for you. Do you believe he's great? Do you believe he's awesome? Do you trust him? So do you believe that he's telling us that he's going to fight for us whenever we say that? The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Sometimes what our families need is for us to get still. They need us to lay our phones down, get off social media, and they need us to just look each other eye to eye and spend time with them and love them. We need to get still. We need to wrap our arms around them. And say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because let's get real honest right now. How many people in our life we wish we could go back and tell them that one more time? Don't take nothing for granted. Tell them you love them. Tell them God loves them. For some of us, we might need to get our lives back straight. For some of us, we might have to get on our face at this altar and beg God to forgive us so that we have a launch pad to start. For some of us, we need to go back to last week, what we talked about, and fight for ourselves. We need to surrender to him for the first time. But I'm telling you, it's worth the fight. But we have to be sold out to God we have to realize that whenever he says words like this, I will fight for you. 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 And believe it. And trust it. Because our families are our families. That's what God's entrusted us to raise. That's what God's blessed us with. Sometimes we always consider it a blessing and we get, but that he does. He blesses us with our kids, with the friends of our kids. Love them. Love them. Love them. Fight for them. Point them to Christ. You've got the, you've got the book. You've got the instruction manual right here. Don't believe me. Believe this. But we have to have faith.